Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Well, it is a Monday afternoon and this is Sports Talk Mississippi. Welcome to the start of a new week, a busy two-week stretch in the college football calendar, especially here in the state of Mississippi. We welcome you to Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. You can learn more about them online at Pearl River Resort. C Spire text line is open, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business. Learn more online at cspire.com slash business. Normally, we would start things off with the Blitz, but for reasons that will become very clear very shortly, if you can't already figure them out, we're going to press pause on the Blitz. Uh, we might do that to uh, start the 4 o'clock or maybe even the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, but we just jump right in. Uh, tough weekend if you are a head coach of a team whose colors are maroon and white because you are employed today. The news started yesterday that uh, Jimbo Fisher is out at Texas A&M. That was following a pretty significant win for A&M on Saturday night. And then the news this morning about 7.50 it became official, or at least it leaked, and then shortly thereafter it became official with a release from Mississippi State that Zach Arnett had been relieved of his duties as head football coach at Mississippi State after a total of 11 games. If you include the bowl game from last season, 10 games into this 2023 campaign, and so Mississippi State is now officially in the market for a new head football coach. The Bulldogs, uh, it has been a tough year. Any way you slice it, it has not been a good season for Mississippi State. They have one win in conference play. It was on the road against Arkansas on October 21st. They have four wins overall against six losses with two games remaining in the regular season. Southern Miss this Saturday at 11 a.m. And then the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving night at 6.30. I'm Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky. We're glad to be with you. Uh, Haydad, you have said for a couple of weeks that this was uh, – the inevitable conclusion that was on its way, it became official this morning. Um, I just kind of open it up to you and let you start wherever you want to. I was going to get a haircut today. No time for that. Oh, you don't need one. You uh, need a haircut. 
Well, thank you, first off, uh, Michael. <laughs> um, yeah, um, got a, a tip early this morning that, that there was some smoke in the air. I uh, reached out to friend of the program, Ross Dellinger, who I it, kind of ironically, but I predicted the entire sequence of events on yesterday's podcast. I said uh, a national reporter like Ross Dellinger will be the first to report it, and then we'll all confirm it. And then you get the e- you get the email, and then you get the text from the university that has the logo on it and says change of leadership. All of those things happened, including Ross Dellinger being first to have it. Um, and so, like you said, Richard, I, I've thought this was kind of the, the, the inevitable conclusion um, for quite some time. And honestly, you know, was, I started having questions about it you guys, in week two when, when they played so poorly and escaped that game against Arizona. Uh, and then the next week you see them against LSU and they can't do anything against the LSU defense that we now know is not good, and yet State couldn't do anything. State's been bad on both sides of the ball all year. Recruiting has not been something you could point to and say, well, you know, the future looks bright. And at the end of the day with Zach Arnett, I've been saying it for the past few weeks, he, he looks he looks miserable on the sidelines. Looks like he, he would rather be almost anywhere else than coaching coaching football at Mississippi State. And so, you know, today when we talked to Zach Selman, he talked about, you know, being keeping a constant eye on the football program and feeling that a change was needed, a shot of juice, which is a word we've used a lot here on this show. Uh, Mississippi State was lacking it, and he felt like they needed to do something, uh, and that he couldn't allow it to go any further, and so he relieved Zach Arnett of his duties uh, this morning. And so now you know, we, we begin another coaching search here in Starkville. That'll be since I've joined this show, the let's see, uh, we've had... Uh, a basketball, a women's basketball, and this will be my third football. So excited! Wow! Thanks for the uh, thanks for the content. I suppose glad, glad you could. Uh, yeah, yeah. Bring that. Um, yeah. W- when you look at the way the season unfolded, you you mentioned the Arizona game that Mississippi State won, and that has turned out to be the best win on the schedule by a large amount. <laughs> it's an Arizona team that's now seven and three on the year under second year head coach Jed Fish. There was the game against LSU. There was the road trip to South Carolina where Mississippi State's offense, whoa, where did that come from? Big night for the offense, but still a loss. The Alabama loss, the Western Michigan win, the win at Arkansas for the SEC win, then the loss to Auburn, the loss to Kentucky, the loss to Texas A&M. The, the reason I mention all of those things, I'm curious if you think there was a tipping point. right? When, when, when we see... When, when we see a situation that results in an outcome, that, that's one of the questions. Like, what was the tipping point? What was um, the, the, the motion that pushed it over the edge? Did that exist, or is this all just cumulative? I think there were two tipping points, if we're being totally honest. I think okay. the Auburn game was the one where it became very, very evident that he was not going to survive the season. That after the way they, they went over to Auburn, a team that had not been able to do anything offensively the entire season, and you gave up all those passing yards to them, that was when it was okay. This isn't going to work, and you need to start thinking about the end of the year. The second tipping point was Saturday, when you go over to Te- a, not a good Texas A&M team playing their third string quarterback, and you lose fifty-one to ten. At that point, it became you can't continue like this. 
So for the first time that I can remember, Mississippi State has an interim head coach in the regular season. Uh, we were talking about that in the press conference today. You know, Ole Miss has gone to the Egg Bowl with an interim twice in my lifetime. Both of those were as a result of coaches being fired in the middle of the year. When we're, I mean, the middle of the, the actual calendar year with Q Freeze and Billy Brewer. So Joe Lee Dunn was an interim, and uh, Matt Luke was an interim when he came to Starkville in 2017. And, and then State, Houston, to my Nutt, knowledge, Houston Nutt had already been fired, but finished the season. He'd already, but, he, but he coached the Egg Bowl. But he coached right. the Egg Bowl. So he was, they didn't have an interim in place. State, to my knowledge, in, in my lifetime for sure, has never had an interim head coach at the Egg Bowl. So that'll be a first for, for Mississippi State. They bring Bre- Greg Knox in, who's been Mississippi State's interim before. He was the interim uh, for the Gator Bowl after, Matt, uh, after Dan Mullen left. He was the interim at Florida after Dan Mullen left there. So they, he's you know he's now with Orgeron out he is the top interim head coach available, uh, two and one lifetime head, as a record. Huh. Um, does that matter? Does it matter who they named the interim head coach? No, and I'll be totally honest. I thought Knox was kind of the third guy. I thought they would go to. I mean, I know he's done it before. I thought they might go with Tony Hughes because he's been a head coach before. He was at Jackson State and he's such a yeah. veteran. And then I thought for a second they might try the Cadillac Williams play and go to Bumpus. Even though he's never done it and he's super young, I thought he might give a little real shot of excitement. But Knox is a guy who's been there, he's done that. He's very well respected within the walls of the football department. Fans like him. It's a good state had state if they were going to do this, they had some good options there to to go to. Oh. So many directions to go. Um, let's start immediate. Like, I mean, we got time for coaching candidates and who makes the most sense and how much money is Mississippi State going to pay and all of those things. What What's the immediate two games left in the regular season? Is your gut that yeah. you get an inspired Mississippi State team that plays like crazy for the last couple of games? against Southern Miss and against Ole Miss, or do they just kind of hang it up? That's a really good question, and I feel like I will know the answer after the first series on Saturday. Uh, if they come out and they look sharp, they look crisp, I'll, I'll be willing to say, yeah, they might, you know, they'll have some juice here. But if, if they come out and it just looks like it's been looking, uh, then, yeah, it could be a really ugly last couple games. I do think Will Rogers is going to make an attempt to play this week. That'll be a big boost to this offense. But, you know, these guys, I mean, think about their their last 12 months. Their, their, their head coach died, and then the guy they hired to replace him has been fired now. This is their third head coach in 11 months. So I almost can't blame them if they don't put forth a massive effort in these last two games and they just want to get through the end of the season. Um, words from Zach Selma today. Uh, he spoke at the normal press conference time, and then Greg Knox spoke after uh, after him and took some questions. Zach Selman says, as part of my thorough and continued evaluation, I have determined that a change in leadership is necessary to move our football program forward and position it for the highest level of success. I have the utmost respect for Zach Arnett and am incredibly appreciative for the effort he put forth in leading our football program However, the progress and on-field results have not been the standard required for Mississippi State to achieve the level of success. 
Uh, there's more there, but it's all that you would expect it to be in an announcement from the athletics director. Sports Talk Mississippi. So much to get to. Just getting started with you. We'll take a quick timeout. We're back right after this in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports Talk. Sports Talk. Mississippi. Woo-hoo! I say sports fans. Now, here's more on Super Talk Mississippi. Coaching change, there's some amount of post mortem that it feels like you need to do. You know, how did we get here? You know, what went wrong? Whose fault is it? I asked you the question a second ago what was the tipping point? And that's all well and good, but it kind of feels like we have documented all of that in real time as this season has unfolded. And I think for most Mississippi State fans, It's not about, well, what happened and what went wrong. Everybody knows what was going wrong. Losing, um, recruiting falling off a cliff, it appeared, just based on where the rankings are right now and when we're, what, a month from National Signing Day, give or take. Um, You know, a a head coach that didn't feel like was making great in-game decisions. Like, Like all of the stuff is there, and it's not, you don't really have to spend a ton of time rehashing it and so what all Bulldog fans want to, want to know is, who's next? And sometimes it feels like eh, it's a little unsavory to start doing that while you've got a sitting head coach. And so in a lot of ways, we've talked around that for the last few weeks. And that's kind of been our standing policy on this show. Um, the fact is, in this profession, you're going to have coaches that are in battle. And immediately people want to know, who could you get if you made a change? Or now that you've made a change, who are you going to get? I think that's kind of already where Mississippi State fans' heads are. Is that is that reasonable, hey, Dad, when, when, when you think about you, your friends, group messages you're on, media people you're talking to, hasn't everybody already turned their attention to who's next? Yeah, 100%. You know, when before... You know, I guess I'd say yesterday when I was thinking about what we were going to talk about on this show today, you know, I was going to talk about how, you know, with Arnett finishing out the season, that, you know, this was going to be, from an egg poll standpoint, the most apathetic I could ever remember it for state fans, that they were just going to go in, you know, get beat up, and then walk out of there and go, okay, let's reset from there. And now, you know, and I'm not saying that the addition of, or the, 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 that Arnett leaving and Greg Knoxman, that, that doesn't change my egg bowl prediction. But at least now, you know, you can start being excited ahead of time, I guess, because it was going to be a really painful 10 days. Well, I mean, I, I was talking about it on the podcast yesterday. It's like the thought of going to campus today and sitting there and going, sitting through Zach Arnett's press mm-hmm. conference. I'm just, I was just thinking, like, why? Why am I here? You know, he's not going to say anything worth anything. Yeah. And so thankfully, Zach Selman uh, relieved me of that, uh, that burden today. Um, but yeah, for weeks it's been who is ne- who who's going to be the next head coach. And even though we couldn't talk about it on this show, I did talk about it on the podcast and talked about it online. And 
Yeah, I mean, now now you can go full bore into looking ahead to who's going to be the next head coach at Mississippi State and, and what they need to bring to the table to get that program back in, in the right direction. It is a, an interesting time as a fan, right? I mean, State fans have been down for weeks now. I mean, it's, it hasn't been an exciting or compelling product, at least from a fan like morale and like mental health perspective. I mean, it lists have been thrown out there, right? You've got uh, all the way up to... Uh, Virginia and, and the coach at Liberty and uh, coach at even uh, Texas State or a Troy or uh, you, you can look at these lists and then on Saturday pull their games up and see what you know see what Liberty's all about. There are a lot of Mississippi State fans that have, I would guess have never seen a Jamie Chadwell offense before. You're going to be excited watching Liberty conduct offense if you get the chance to see them over the next couple of weeks and he remains a candidate to whatever degree for your job. And so for the next couple of weeks, state fans get to enjoy football season, I think. You're going to have these lists of teams, and you're going to go look at Tulane, possibly, and see if they can make another incredible run for a second consecutive year and watch them play and watch their style of play and kind of get excited about football again. So... If you ask Zach Selman, and he's, he said today, the next time you hear from me is go- going to be when I announce a new head coach. That's like a, a line that's straight out of uh, Greg Burns' book. Like, uh, don't believe anything you hear. The next time you hear from me, it will be to introduce the uh, the next head football coach, and that's fine. But if you weren't asking, if, if you were simply asking Zach Selman about process and about what he's looking for, he would give you a list of qualities that he's looking for and a new head coach. Proven winner, cares about his student-athletes, good recruiter, experience, yeah, blah, 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 whatever. Whatever the list is. We know all those things, and like, there's a, a manual for athletics directors somewhere, and when asked what qualities they are looking for in the next head football coach that they hired, there's a, a paragraph in there that they can just pull from the AD manual and read that, and it's the same for everybody. Right. We don't have a manual. Yeah. There's, we don't want there's a coach speak. There's AD speak. Yeah. So here, here, here's where here's where I'm going with this. Thinking about fit, fit for Mississippi State. On, on one front, it's an SEC football job. It's going to pay a lot of money with a great stadium and great facilities and a passionate fan base. But I think we can all agree that Mississippi State is, in some ways, a unique job within the SEC and within college football. Define unique however it is that you would like. So when you think about fit for the next head coach, and, you know, proven, winning, all those things needs to be part of it, who are the names that come to mind? Because, again, as Borky said just a second ago, you got hot boards out there, you got lists, I mean, Ross Dellinger, to you know, uh, Mississippi State parting ways with Zach Selman. Here are the names to watch. Yeah, you know, websites have already got their hot boards out. There's no insight into those other than, hey, these are just guys that are winning football games that might make sense. But but if we if we take a little bit smarter approach to that beyond just okay, these are the same names that everybody else is throwing out. Who strikes you as a fit? For Mississippi State. Honestly, for me, 
I'm of the opinion right now that Mississippi State needs to look for someone that is on the surface not a fit. And kind of the same way they did with the athletic director. You know, so for so many years, State State has promoted from within and, and, and found guys like that. And then they went and found a guy who had no connection to Mississippi State whatsoever, a young guy who brought his own ideas. I think State needs to go kind of similar in, in, in that aspect. I think, you know, Mississippi State has not been known for outstanding offense for the last few years. You know, even with Mike Leach, that was not a, an exciting offense by any stretch of the imagination. That's what they need. They need something that helps sell tickets. I know winning sells tickets, but you know you got to be an entertaining football team as well. So that's something I, I would be looking for. I'd like a younger guy. It would be something I would look for. You know, somebody and yeah, it doesn't have to be too young, but but at the same time, somebody who you know, this could be maybe their first big job. They they've been a head coach, but this could be their first big job. But I, I tend to agree with with uh, with Zach with Zach Selman. That's twice today I've done that. Uh, where once was on Twitter and I said, uh, I said, I was trying to say oh, Selman makes a plea to Mississippi. Yeah, I was saying Selman makes a plea to Mississippi State fans to please come to the USM game, basically. But I said Arnett and my mentions were like, wow, what a class guy. It's like, it wasn't Arnett. Um, but I, I, I think that what Selman said today was winning traits, right? Go get a winner. Go get somebody who, wherever they've been, they've been winning. You know, like, I was big on Tom Herman a few weeks ago, but I feel like the way that they that, that Florida Atlantic their season has gone, that shine has come off a little bit because he's not winning, and that's, that's tough to it's tough to sell a fan base. Hey, this is your new head coach. He went five and seven at FAU last year. Hold on a second, though. Hold on a second. That's a short sighted view. It is short sighted, but be- it, you either it, believe Tom Herman's a good football coach or you don't believe Tom Herman's a good. I football do believe coach. he's a good football coach, but I, at the same time, I understand that and from whom he inherited it. I know you got to put an asterisk next to anything that Willie Taggart touches. Like a guy, that guy has the reverse Midas touch. But at the same time, it's tough to sell your fans on. Hey, this is our new coach. Oh, by the way, he got fired at Texas. And even though we all know he didn't get fired at Texas for wins and losses, that's how it's going to be spun. So I don't know. I have an idea of how I would do it. I have like my own top five in my head. I guess we'll talk about that when we come back. Of how I would attack this if I was Zach Selman. But I will say this, my first phone call, I'm going to go really big, and I'm going to see if I can connect. And if I can't, I've got great options behind that. But I would like to go, I would start with somebody, I would start with some Power 5 guys and just say, what what we got What we got to do? Got a state fan in, in one of my group messages, and he said something, Ada, that you pointed to. He said, I swear if the new coach is sold to me because he's blue collar, I'm going to lose my mind. Is what he said today. Yeah, I don't, you don't need that. You don't want that right now. Unless that blue-collar coach is also a proven winner. Right. His point was they, they've done that with every sport lately. And he's like, Mississippi State can be more than blue-collar. It can be something else also. That's true. That's true. So let's talk about some names and make sure that we have a pronunciation right as well. We'll, we'll do that when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV. We're back with you right after this. Sports Talk Mississippi continues.
Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. If you would like to be a part of the conversation, and many of you have already, on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. We will get to your messages as we are able. Uh, a lot coming out. But uh said we'd play with some names for uh, the next head coach, at Mississippi State, why they might make sense, whether or not they are attainable, uh, what Mississippi State's budget is. Certainly that's not a question that we actually know the answer to, um, but it's something that we will uh, we will be talking about uh, as this pertains. Yeah, what, what's Mississippi State's NIL situation? Because that's a factor in what head coach is available to you as well. Um, Lance Leipold. Leipold. Chris Kleiman. Kleiman. The two Kansas coaches have their last names mispronounced on the regular. Uh, we, we, we get the scope. You know, is he Leupold? Is he Leopold? Is he Leopold? Is he Lapold? Lance Leipold. And then it's Chris Kleiman. Not Kleiman. Not Kleiman. Whatever other. All right. So. Kleiman. 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 Um, so, i just throwing that out there. I'm Those still going to get it names. wrong. Huh? I'm still going to get it wrong. It's fine. I'm so bought into uh, uh, Leopold at this point that I'm, it's just going to come out, and I'm going to get it wrong. Have you been a Leopold guy? Yes, I've been a Leopold guy. I, I even heard it. Gus Johnson even <laughs> said it. I mean, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, well. <laughs> I believed him. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's just let's go around the bend. Go, go around the circle, kind of like we do with uh, with winners and losers. Yeah. Hey, Dad, give me a name. Tell me why it's good. Well, you just mentioned one of them, and it's not the one you think I'm going to say, but Chris Kleiman is a winner. And when you yeah. listen to, to, Zach, to Zach Selman's, I'll get it eventually, Zach Selman's uh, <laughs> talk today, he talked about winning traits, and, and you know you know winning when you see it. Well, this guy, outside of Saban, who's done more winning than Chris Kleiman? Um, he makes five and a half mil a year at uh, Kansas State. My thought process is State needs to, I mean, right now, I understand why they paid Arnett $3 million a year, right? Totally unproven. You know, and the way they set up the contract, if, if, if it was like a parachute, if it went bad, they could eject. Well, you, then you see Kiffin making $9 million a year at Ole Miss, and there's just, you know, whether you like it or not, there's a, there's a sense that Mississippi State's cheap. So don't go cheap. Call a coach like Chris Kleiman and say, would you come to Mississippi State for $8 million a year? Throw it out there. Throw a big number out there to start and see what he says. So somebody like him, Leipold, would probably command a similar kind of, of, of salary. I don't know that Jonathan Smith would command that kind of salary because he, you have a little leverage with him in that his conference is going away, and if he wants to play in big games, he doesn't have a whole lot of choice but to eject. But that is his alma mater, so at the same time, you, you never know there. So, but climbing is would be my first phone call, and I would say, what's it going to take to get you out of Kansas State? He said one candidate. Hey, Dad, one at a time. Uh, know the rules, man. I mean, just rapid. I'll do what I want. As he could go uh, uh, in May. John, by Jonathan the way, that, Smith for what it's worth, making five point one million a year. Climbing's uh, so contract. Uh, he got an extension in May, out to twenty thirty. So it's an eight-year contract. the The buyout there might be pretty steep. Now that doesn't that shouldn't stop you from 
giving it a shot because of course you should. However, that I assume yeah. will be a hurdle. Yeah. Give me the name, Borky. Uh, he said it, uh, Jonathan Smith, and you know, I know he's got no ties to this region, and and that is is a thing that that people care about. But especially in this era, I think it matters less and less. He's a winner at a place that is so difficult to win at, and despite it being his alma mater, which might be a significant hurdle, his program doesn't have a conference right now, and none of their options are good. The Big 12's not going to save them. The Big 10's not going to save them. The SEC's not going to save them. I mean, are they going to merge with the Mountain West? That's possible. Are they going to merge with the AAC? That's possible also. Luring a guy away from his home is probably difficult, but man, his home is changing pretty quickly, and he has taken a dead program and given it incredible life. See what he would take. Okay. Um, I may be persuaded a bit because of the conference that I've spent the most time covering in person this year, beyond what we talk about, obviously, on a daily basis. I think I would start with Jeff Trailer. I, I don't, I don't know if Jeff Trailer is doable or not. He's making three million dollars a year right now at UTSA. He is comfortable in that job. He's comfortable in San Antonio. He's a Texas lifer. He is a legend in East Texas football. He won three state championships and coached in two more in 15 seasons at Gilman High School in East Texas. But he's won everywhere. He he left high school coaching to be an assistant coach for just a handful of years, and then he got the UTSA job. And they won back-to-back Conference USA championships on the way out the door of that league, and they have a chance, a very legitimate chance, to win a regular season conference championship and play in the American Conference title game um, right out of the gate. Somebody said Trailer is going to Texas A&M if he wants it. Um Trailer is going to Texas A&M if they want him. But let's but let's turn that around. There are I, I know for a fact that Jeff Trailer has turned down at least two head coaching jobs since he has been at UTSA. One of them in the Big Ten, one of them in the Big Twelve. Both of them what you would classify as middle-of-the-road jobs in that league. So, I don't know what that means. Don't, don't know what that means, what his interest level would be in coming to the SEC, but I know he's a good football coach. And I know this might be the time that Jeff Trailer would really consider leaving UTSA because he is losing, this is his fourth year, he's losing his starting quarterback from the last four years. Frank Harris is in his seventh season at UTSA. He's been on campus there since 2017. And he has 38 records. And so you have to start over with quarterback spot. They don't have the NIL money that a lot of other schools do. You're talking about playing in the American Conference. And so that might be worth somebody looking at. Might be. Now let me ask the question that's floating around on everywhere. 
What about Dan Mullen 2.0? I don't think it'll happen. I think that for two reasons. One, there, I, I feel like there might still be some lingering resentment from his departure in 2017. And I also think there will be some some nervousness that this was a coach whose re- recruiting was never his strong suit. And now not only do you have to recruit high school players, but you have to recruit your team every year. And I don't know that that's where they want to put Dan Mullen. So I, I would be surprised if Mullen ends up being what we would consider a finalist for this job. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people say, like national guys, well, he's won there before, he could do it again. It's like you guys are kind of oversimplifying the era in which he was winning at Mississippi State versus the era that the new coach will have to coach in now. And Jimba, or uh, Kirby kind of put him on blast, too, after the the cocktail party. That's not what you want to hear from a SEC coach about the guy that you're bringing in. No. It's not. And, uh, I mean, you're adding Texas and Oklahoma as well. I mean, for for an already almost impossible conference to exist in, bringing in those two brands with their resources. And, by the way, I have a lot of respect for Mark Keenum. I do not know this to be true. I just know that I have heard people say to me, Mark Keenum would never sign off on Dan Mullen. Whether that's true or not, I, I don't know. But I have had people say that to me. Hey, Dad, I don't know if that's the resentment that you're alluding to, if, if that relationship was a little fraught at the end, however you want to describe it. To me, Dan Mullen seems unlikely. I'm not sure that it's the worst hire that Mississippi State could make. Certainly it not. It seems Certainly unlikely. Not. Yeah, I agree. Jamie Chadwell, Coastal Carolina, until this year, he's now at Liberty and has led Liberty to a 10-0 and record. Runs a unique offense. Probably, if you if you strike out on the big choice, that's probably 1A. That's probably the, the, the top group of five guy that you should be looking at. And his style is one that you talked about earlier. Now, he, he's a religious guy, which is great. I don't say that as a negative. He's a religious guy. He, he will. He's a good salesman. When you hear him talk, you're like, oh, I like this guy. I like his energy. But the style of play is what you're talking about. Is different. Mm-hmm. Up tempo, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's how that's what state needs to be looking at. It's a fun offense to watch. All right. You you have sent us a bunch of names to discuss on the ceasefire text line. Let's do a little bit of that when we come back. We'll we'll take it look at some of the names that uh, that you have thrown our way coming up next when we continue with you, Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Check this out. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. C-SPARK text line is open, 601-879-4395. C-SPARK, customer inspired. Let's just whip through as many names as we can get through that you have sent in in the last half hour or so. Kind of going in reverse order here. Uh, Jeff and Pontotox says DJ Durkin will be available. He's strong on defense, and he smiles a lot. Okay. 
Hey, Dad and I are, are having, and we're going to keep having sessions during the uh, the commercial break about some of the names that have been thrown onto yeah, this text yeah, yeah. line and, and the reaction. Some of y'all, man. Come on. Keith Invaden says it would be nice if Dennis Allen took the state job so the Saints could look for a better coach. I know that's crazy thinking, but hey. I don't want to wish that on my, on my Mississippi Talk State fans. About rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. Good Lord. Um, Deion Sanders has been brought up by multiple people. Eh, don't think that would happen. It, he's not going to coach in Mississippi again. It, that, that applies to Ole Miss, too. He's not coaching Mississippi again. Buddy Probably Stevens, not. East Mississippi Community College. He has five oh, national championships. Gosh. Next. Um, ba, ba, ba. Jimbo Fisher would be a great head coach for Mississippi State. He has, after all, won a national championship. The headline would be incredible. Mississippi State hires national championship winning coach. Uh, Bob Stoops to get a foundation for a couple of years if he wants it. Or Brian Johnson, the quarterback's coach with the Philadelphia Eagles, who was a former assistant at Mississippi State. Brian Johnson will be an NFL head coach as early as this offseason. He's not coming back to college. Yes, he's not coming back to college. All right, here's and Bob Stoops isn't coming back to Mississippi State. Uh, perhaps um, a name that would actually generate some conversation. Gus Malzahn, UCF, former Auburn head coach. In case you I feel like he would be down the him. Yeah, I feel like he would be down the list. Like he's a guy you might talk to. But at the same time, I feel like he is going to end up at Arkansas. I almost, I'll be amazed if he's not the head coach at Arkansas next year. An Arkansas job that does not currently have an opening, but everybody in the state no. of Arkansas expects we're, there's to be uh, one soon. Uh, Brandon and Boonville. We're not Sports that. Talk Arkansas. We can make those people mad. Um, Shane Beamer. <laughs> where did that name even come from? from? From where did like Shane look, Beamer? I, I understand that that was the name that was on a list. That was produced by a website that covers Mississippi State. What moron thought that was a name to headline your list with? This guy is going to be four and eight at South Carolina this year. Imagine that press conference. Are you trying to sell people on that? And, and by the way, no, Shane Beamer no, no. is, by all accounts, one of the greatest human beings you will ever come across. What an idiot, Shane Beamer. And on top of the, on top of the woeful underachievement at South Carolina and breaking his foot in anger after a loss and all that stuff, uh, he would be wildly expensive. Have you looked at his contract and his salary and his buyout? I mean, on top of him being a disaster at South Carolina to this point on the field, anyway. Cody Tupelo well. says uh, one Jonathan Smith, two Tom Herman, three Rhett Langley. I think he means Rhett Lashley, who's currently the head coach. Rhett Lashley. Uh, he says, Jeff Trailer is not leaving UTSA except for an A&M-type job. Uh, yeah, generally speaking, I agree with you, Cody, except for some of the reasons that I outlined earlier that might perhaps make him think a little bit differently in this off-season coaching cycle than a year ago. Uh, here's well, Lashley's interesting because obviously he's doing a good job there, but, you know, Mississippi State's a better job than SMU. Mississippi State's a better job than Liberty. Those two places are, are unique, though, compared to your other power or, or group of five coaches. One, SMU's making a, the, the jump to the ACC, so they are becoming a Power Five program. But they raised $100 million in a day. They've got money there, a lot 
of money, like a shocking amount of money. It might not be as easy to poach the SMU coach as you think when they're moving up a level and they are committed financially to football in in ways that would shock you at this point with that move. It, it has right been, now. Yeah. Lashley will be a tough pull. We'll just put it that mm-hmm. way. It'll be a very tough pull because they've got money and they've got an easier road to the playoff. Uh, less miles. Yeah. That, no. <sighs> not to mention the fact that he's all, not in great. Some of y'all are bored. Um, yeah. All right, there's a legitimate name here. What about Mike Elko? I, I think that's who A&M ends up with at the end of this, but he would definitely be somebody I would call if, if I would gauge his interest, no question. What are the chances Kyle Whittingham wants to move south? I'd run through a brick wall for him. That would be an, an A-plus hire. But I, that's somebody I think is really happy at Utah. He's been there for so long. I can't. I don't think Mississippi State's the opportunity that makes him leave. Why not an in-state junior college coach? Because the why SEC not a high school coach? Why not a peewee coach? What What are we doing here? Yeah. Why not somebody who works at the gas station? And, and that's no no disrespect intended, but it's not the same thing. Um, Bubba in Starkville suggests Kurt Signetti, the head coach at James Madison. Winning a Age lot. Age is the only concern. More of these names when we come back. Four o'clock hour coming up. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Come on. Are we going to do this? Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. Super Talk Mississippi. On Wednesday, both Middays with Gerard Gibbert and Sports Talk Mississippi will be in Greenwood for the grand opening of the newest Ace and Bolt Screw location. Check out product demos and register to win amazing door prizes with manufacturer reps on site. Learn about vendor-managed inventory to help streamline your operations. It's all happening on Wednesday at the new Mississippi family-owned Ace, Bolt, and Screw. It's on West Park Avenue in Greenwood. I've heard so many good things about Ace Bolt and Screw. Cannot wait to uh, visit one in person. That's coming up on Wednesday. And on Thursday, Sports Talk Mississippi will be in Philadelphia. We'll be at the Sportsbook at the uh, Golden Moon Casino. What, what, what's the what's the shrug? What shows are going to be there on uh, on Wednesday? What, what shows? What are the shows that will be there? Hey, look, if you've got a problem... With what I just said about what's happening, could you just say the shows again, please? In Wednesday, then you take it up with William East. All I will, I will take it up with him. I'll take it up with him. I'll take it up with him. That little podcast thing, uh, the the weather podcast, uh, will be on. uh, I guess after we get finished (laughs) at 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 six, also, right? It's not a podcast; it's live radio, sir. Thunder Lightning podcast on the radio. It's all about weather. No, no. Oh, that's about some weather. A storm coming. Uh, this is Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. We're glad to have you along on this Monday afternoon. Ceasefire text line is open at 601-879-4395. We were going through names that were popping up that you were sending us on the Ceasefire text line. Uh, I, I think it's a fun enough way to uh, to do this because it's so early. Why not throw a million names at the wall? Um 
if if we poo-pooed your name, our apologies. It's nothing personal. It's just, you know, that might not be seated in any sort of reality. Um, I, I, I'm sure all of these names are wonderful people. But, well, there's been a couple that aren't. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, Chadwell interests me. I'm I'm really intrigued well, by that. Did David Cutcliffe or Terry Bowden interest you? Uh, wonderful people. No. Uh, I mean, great people. Though. Yeah, well, love Coach Cut. Love our visits with him at uh at SEC Media Days. So, so the, I guess the drawback to Chadwell is, um, you know, hasn't had the the big job experience yet. Uh, yep. You know, he he was at Charleston. He spent a year at Delta State for what it's worth, but. It hadn't even been an assistant on a big-time staff. You know, hadn't been a part of a big program uh, yet in, in his coaching career. What does that mean? Maybe nothing. I mean, who knows? He might be wildly successful despite that. Uh, Kleiman was at North Dakota State when Kansas State hired him. So you can make that jump and it work. That offense is really fun. I mean, we had somebody ask, is he still running the option? To describe that as the option is a little unfair uh, to what they do because – they get great quarterback play. Now, guy this year isn't particularly accurate, but they're incredibly balanced. It's like 2,200 yards passing and 2,800 yards rushing or something like that. Remember, it was his offense that Grayson McCall became everybody's favorite quarterback that you've got to get in the portal until they realized, oh, his grades won't translate to literally any other school besides Coastal Carolina, so he's got to stick around. But, I mean, he would have commanded seven figures in the portal had he been able to get out. That's a Jamie Chadwell guy. It's a, it is an option-based offense, but they throw it a lot. It's there's a lot of movement. It is very, I mean, it's unique uh, for sure, and mm-hmm. and it's fun it and interesting. Liberty's got a ton of money though, because you're not competing against Liberty if you're Mississippi State, right? If he's the guy you want to go after, you're not competing against Liberty. You're competing against what Jamie Chadwell thinks he could get if he keeps winning at Liberty. So if they give him enough money of a raise and they've got the resources to do it to keep him happy until one of those comes open, that's what you're fighting against. It's not state versus liberty. It's state versus do you see Dabo leaving and you know, Clemson's there or whatever. You actually brought up one thing that, that kind of popped uh, in my mind as you were talking about you know limited experience has not been on a big staff as an assistant. And I don't think that is an issue – in terms of day-to-day coaching, I think that can become an issue in staff building. And I'm not even talking about the initial staff. It's one thing to bring put your initial staff together, but inevitably there is turnover in assistant coaches. And I think one guy in particular that you would look at who has had issues because of a lack of contacts is Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze has not built staffs the way others have he has kind of kept his guys and brought them along the uh, along the way not saying that that's wrong i'm just saying if you have success and you lose assistant coaches how deep is your network to be able to replace those assistant coaches on an ongoing basis but yeah i think jamie chadwell is very intriguing as a name um willie fritz name has popped up uh, a number of times on here in fact i had a buddy that texted me willie fritz for head coach with will hall as offensive coordinator uh, trying to run it back, what they had at Tulane a couple of a uh, couple of years ago. Um, 
Does Willie Fritz do anything for you? Really good coach. The only concern with me is his age. You know, he's just old. He's in his 60s. 62? 63? Yeah. And my, my concern with that would be, okay, I don't know what he's making at Tulane off the top of my head. 2.5. But, okay, 2.5. So let's say State says they'll double it. Bring him $5 million a year. Okay. Yeah, at 66, is he saying, I've made $20 million and I'm 66, and maybe it's time to, to move on and to the, you know, the next stage of life? And then you're, you know you're looking at a, a, a sixth head coach in less you know in twelve years something like that. Yeah, I just don't know about that. So I like him a lot. I think he would win here. I think he would he would be a really good coach. That's my only concern. Same with Signetti. Willie Fritz is sixty three years old and he has literally coached at every level of football other than the mm-hmm. high power five level. He has been a high school coach. He has been a junior college coach. He has been a division one double A slash two coach. Um, he's been at the FBS level and as a group of five coach, and he's been at Tulane since 2016 and has done a, a really good job. 51 and 46 is the overall record. Took a little while to, uh, to get it going at Tulane. Uh, four and eight, five and seven, and then back to back seven and six seasons, six and six in 2020, two and 10 in 2021, bounced back with a 12 and two season last year, and then they are nine and one this year. If you follow Tulane's scores over the last three weeks, and they are so physically beat up on the offensive side of the ball right now. Pratt's hanging in there. They're down three receivers. They're having to replace Ty J Spears from a year ago. And yet they're still nine and one. They they're hanging on by a thread, but they are still nine and one, um, and headed for a, a big matchup with UTSA here in a couple of weeks in the final weekend of the regular season. Um, Remember too, he was deeply involved in the Georgia Tech search. Wanted to coach uh, through the conference championship, and Georgia Tech he didn't want him to, and he ultimately turned that job down. And so. You know, he doesn't appear to be "quote unquote" desperate to get out. Now, again, Mississippi State greater than Tulane. Don't get me wrong, but that was something that happened a year ago that Georgia Tech was unwilling to wait, and he asked them to wait, and they said no, and he said no. Uh, Barry Odom is uh, doing a really good job at UNLV. They are eight and two this season. We had somebody send us a message that said Barry Odom with Bobby Petrino as offensive coordinator, or Kane Womack from South Alabama. Those are more realistic choices than what some are throwing out there. No to Barry Odom. I mean, this wasn't impressive at the at Missouri. Uh, he's having a great year at UNLV, but no. That would be a no. And I don't think Kane Womack's done enough to get this, this job. No. G.J. Kinney? Young coach at Boy, Texas I wish State he, doing a good I job. wish his resume was a little longer. Really exciting young guy. That's a guy that if I wanted to roll the dice, he and then the other name is that that's the dice roll is Glenn Schumann from Georgia, the defensive coordinator. And then now we're going into no head coaching experience whatsoever, and I don't know if State wants to do that again. But they love him at Georgia. He's a great recruiter. He's kept that defense elite even after Dan Lanning has left. He's interesting, but they're just so young. And then we get a note that says John Summerall, and I'll bang that drum all day. Summerall will be a fantastic coach. That would be a, a really, really good choice. The only issue there is, I think you guys know that 
Kentucky is kind of his dream spot, and that would be a painful thing to lose your head coach to Kentucky at Mississippi State to lose a, a to a to a equal tier SEC program. I think John Summerall making about a million dollars a year at Troy and has done a oh, you could, really yeah. really good job. Ten win season a year ago, they're sitting at eight and two this year. Um, was an assistant at Ole Miss. Uh, I, I will tell you that the people in and around the Ole Miss program fought a lot of John Sumrall. Like, everybody liked him. He was, if you're just curious about the resume, played at Kentucky, GA at Kentucky, worked at San Diego, worked at Tulane, was an assistant at Troy, linebacker coach at Ole Miss, went back to Kentucky where he was a linebacker's coach and then took the head coaching job at Troy, 12-2 and two in year number one, including 7-1 and one with a bowl win. And uh, so far this season, 8-2 and two in leading the West Division of the um, uh, Sunbelt. USA. Sunbelt, sorry. Sunbelt. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices. On Super Talk Mississippi. Somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. She was looking kind of dumb with her finger and her thumb in the shape of an L on her forehead. Well, the years start coming and they don't stop coming. We will certainly return to the Mississippi State discussion as we move throughout the show this afternoon. There's tons more to get to, so many angles to look at, but it's not just going to be today. we we got a while to uh, do that. This is going to be a, uh, a conversation that is ongoing for the foreseeable future, I, I think. is. Um... Hey, Dan, what would you guess is a timeline? That's a good question. We were talking about that today, and obviously Selman wouldn't give you anything uh, concrete on that. You know, Friday the 24th is the day after the Egg Bowl. Wouldn't you like to have somebody in place by the SEC championship game? So you know, so the first, the second, third of, of, of December sounds right. That gives you two full weeks before signing day. Two yeah. weeks and a half, basically. Yeah, I would uh, I would agree with that. Hey, let's check in uh, on what else happened in the college football world. Then we'll get into uh, Ole Miss and Georgia and a whole lot more. It's time for the Blitz. Ah, We're just going to do this for fun. Going back to Thursday night. How about Southern Miss in overtime, 34-31 over the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. That's two in a row for Will Hall's team. And up next, trip to Starkville for the Golden Eagles. SMU has come up because of current topics. They got a 45-21 win over North Texas. SMU led by Rep Lashley, now 8-2 on the season. Another team with a name that has popped up, UNLV, 34-14 over Wyoming. UNLV under Barry Odom, 8-2 this season. The aforementioned Tulane Green Wave, they eked one out at home, held on for dear life, 24-22, a win over Tulsa. To get to nine and one on the season, Tulane headed to FAU this weekend to take on the Owls, led by Tom Herman. South Carolina getting it done against Vanderbilt, forty-seven to six. The final. Spencer Rattler threw for three fifty-one and three touchdowns in the ball game. Uh, that's two in a row since um, 
since Dabo went off the deep end. 42-21. Clemson now 6-4 on the year with a win over Georgia Tech. Tech's got to get a win in its last two ball games to get to bowl eligibility. 32 straight running plays. No passing plays after 7.31 or 7.21 to go in the second quarter. Yes, I know they threw the ball vertically one time, but it was as if the play never even happened because of the defensive pass interference. Michigan bludgeons Penn State 24-15. Aller is, God bless him, awful. And you could see his confidence leaving his body with every snap. By the fourth quarter, I mean, a toddler could have been more confident than him in that spot. Getting booed by his own fans on the field. You could see it on his face. He was having a hard time just taking snaps by the end of that game. Finished 10 of 22 for 70 yards with one touchdown pass in the game. Bama rolling over the Cats in Lexington. 49-21. Crimson Tide now 9-1 and on the season. Jalen Milrow threw for 234 and three touchdowns in the game. Texas Tech gets to 5-5 five and five with a 16-13 win over Kansas. That was a great candidate last week for the fishy line of the week. And Kansas was only a two-and-a-half point favorite. That didn't make much sense. Liberty now 10-0 after a 38-10 win over Old Dominion, coached by Jamie Chadwell. NC State, 26-6. The Wolfpack wins over Wake Forest to move to 7-3. Should anybody be mentioning Dave Doran's name? Just thinking out loud there. He's remarkably boring, and he wins every year. Incredibly consistent. I don't think, I don't think State can hire a former old Miss coach. <laughs> Jeez. James Madison still perfect on the year, forty-four and six, and waiting to hear of their appeal for postseason eligibility from the NCAA. I'm sure the NCAA will come through with a uh, an answer to that question sometime around mid-March. Maybe just in time. Arizona moves to 7-3 on the year. 34-31, the win over the Colorado Buffaloes. Um, I just Not because I was there. I'm just putting in. There's an argument to be made for best game of the day. Certainly one of the best games of the day. Memphis 44-38 over Charlotte in overtime. That was a really fun game. Tigers moved to 8-2. Sets up a big matchup with... SMU this coming Saturday. Why are you laughing? Great viral clip from that game. Yeah, Richard Cross went viral on Saturday, an official uh, again with bad placement on a flag. No comment. In fact, our producer, he goes, he just hit him in the... (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, he did. (laughs) Troy 45-14 over ULM. The Trojans are now 8-2 on the season. K-State moves to 7-3 with a 59-25 win over Baylor. A lot of people think Dave Aranda is soon going to be out of a job at Baylor. Back to LSU. Oh, Miami. no. Why? Don't wish that on us, hey, Dad. That's what's going to happen, though. Oh. Uh, Miami and FSU closer than some people thought it would be, but the Seminoles get the win 27-20 over the Canes. FSU still undefeated at 10-0 on the year. Speaking of playing good football, MIZ 36-7. to mm. A beatdown over the Tennessee Vols and maybe the shortest postgame handshake in the history of college football. Eli Drinkwitz, if nothing else, good and petty. 35 carries for Cody Schrader, 205 yards. 
been the best running back in the SEC this year. Washington's winning close, but they're still winning. 35-28 at home over Utah. Michael Penix Jr., couple of touchdown passes. He threw for 332. Iowa Rutgers goes under. It was 27 and a half, the lowest point total in the history of sports gambling in college football. Iowa now 8 and 2 with their 22 nothing win over the Scarlet Knights of Rutgers. What a day in Iowa City. Um Northwestern is 5 and 5. Yeah. Northwestern is a win away from bowl eligibility. Can't remember the guy's name, but if you don't hire him, you're a moron. Right? I think, yeah, I think that he will just get the, the permanent job at this point. You ready for yeah. something crazy? So Northwestern it, might have a bigger win turnaround than Colorado. Possible. And all of them in the continental United States. Hey, remember last week when uh, Oklahoma State won Bedlam? Yeah. This week, they got beat by 42. They got beat by six touchdowns. By Gus Malzahn and John Rice Plumley, the Madison Housewives and the UCF Knights. JRP with three touchdown passes. RJ Harvey rushed it for 206. Navy wins over UAB 31 to 6 to get to 4 and 5 on the year. Auburn with a beatdown. By the way, Hugh Freeze lets you know he called all the plays. 48 to 10 over Arkansas. Are the days numbered for Sam Pittman or no? Eh. Uh, Oregon State, 62 on the board and a win over Stanford. We go to 8-2 and two on the year. Oklahoma bounces back from the Oklahoma State loss. They drop a bomb on West Virginia, 59-20. to 20. The uh, Sooners are now 8-2 and two on the year. LSU, impressive. And that's, well, Jaden Daniels, impressive. 52-35 over Florida. Jaden Daniels becomes the first quarterback in college football history to throw for 350 and run for 200 he had three touchdown passes through the air and two rushing touchdowns, 234 on the ground, 372. Can he just win the Heisman Trophy? He's the best player in college football. The stats are, are so stupid. He has more touchdowns than half the t- more than half the teams in Division One. Texas 29-26 over TCU despite being outscored 20-3 in the final 15 minutes of the ball game. Quinn Ewers back from injury, 317 with a touchdown and a pick. Jonathan Brooks, 104 yards and two TDs on the ground. UTSA, they are now 6-0 in the American Conference after a 34-14 win over Rice. Ohio State cruised over Michigan State, 38-3. Kyle McCord threw for three touchdowns and 335 yards in the win. Maybe the wildest game of the day. North Carolina, 47-45 over Duke in double overtime. Listen to the fourth quarter scoring summary. Carolina touchdown, Duke touchdown, Duke touchdown, Carolina touchdown, Carolina touchdown. I'm sorry. I messed that up. North Carolina, Duke, Duke, North Carolina, Duke, North Carolina field goal with three seconds left to send it to overtime. Field goals for both teams in the first overtime. Touchdown, two-point conversion, no good. Touchdown, two-point conversion, good. Arizona State beat UCLA 17-7. Boise won over New Mexico 42-14, but fired their coach. Oregon beats USC 36-27. Bo Nix, four touchdown passes. That's your blitz. Nailed it. With a little time to spare, too. A little time to spare. 
Onyx, 412 yards through the air, four touchdown passes. Oregon's so good. That rematch with uh, Washington going to be fun in the Pac-12 championship game. All right, let's talk about what happened in Athens on Saturday night when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Here comes more Sports Talk Mississippi. You ready, guys? On Super Talk Mississippi. Uh, suppose we should turn our attention to Sanford Stadium in Athens, Georgia from Saturday night. It's a really entertaining football game for about 16 minutes. And then the route was on. Um, Ole Miss with a beautiful opening drive that went 11 plays and 75 yards, four and a half minutes. Uh, Quinchon Judkins scored two touchdowns. They only counted one of them. The uh, first one was five yards out, but they... Uh, Got one of those pesky flags for holding. Uh, and then he sto- scored on the next play from 15 yards out to give Ole Miss a 7 to nothing lead. Um, Georgia pretty quickly responded, though. Uh, Dewan Edwards with a one-yard rushing touchdown, six plays, 75 yards, made it 7-7. to Then Georgia took a 14-7 lead when Ladd McConkey scored his first touchdown on a uh, pass from Carson Beck. Quinshawn Judkins... With a four-yard rushing touchdown with 14-16 to go in the second quarter to make it 14-14. But let's be real. Even as you watch that first quarter, you were having to ask yourself, is Ole Miss ever going to be able to get a stop? Because this looks really, really easy for Georgia. Mm-hmm. And you kind of were giving yourself the benefit of the doubt that Georgia was probably going to figure out some things. I didn't think that they were going to stop the Ole Miss offense for the remainder of the game, but the score went from 14-14 to 45-14 before Ole Miss kicked a field goal midway through the fourth quarter, and then Georgia added one more touchdown for good measure with four minutes to play to win 52-17. A couple of things stand out in terms of numbers. Uh, Kendall Milton rushed the ball nine times for an average of 14.1 yards per carry. Uh, healthy Kendall, Kendall Milton is pretty good. Um, Brock Bowers, still very, very impressive, as is a healthy Lad McConkey. Um, Carson Beck, is there anybody that throws a prettier ball in college football than Carson Beck? I mean, he was surgical. 18 of 25, 306 yards, two touchdowns. He had the uh, the one interception at the end of the, the first half of the ballgame. Georgia rolls up 611 yards of offense on 61 plays. Quick math, it's 10 yards of play. 10 yards of play? It was more than that until the game ended essentially early and, you know, backups and third stringers played and, I mean, it, it was an absolute, complete, and total physical domination. And people are doing the, 
well, Georgia only lost, or excuse me, well, Missouri only lost by 10, and and so is Missouri really that much better than Ole Miss? And uh, Ole Miss beat Vanderbilt by more than Georgia did, so does that mean Ole Miss is better than Georgia? No, it, it's ridiculous. But you you saw a Georgia team at full strength. Bowers came back and played. First-round picket tackle came back and played, and a running back for that matter as well on that offense. Um, and, and a complete physical mismatch on the lines of scrimmage and Georgia's receivers were uncoverable from Ole Miss's defensive backs I was talking to you earlier about this and I put it on Twitter which is not a good place to put things like this uh, during the emotions of a game but I did it anyway Uh, people both on that website and Kirk Herbstreet were saying things like Ole Miss just needs to make adjustments on defense they just need to adjust to what Georgia's doing and I, I thought what I mean, would you suggest they about sixteen players? There was not an adjustment to be made. Yeah, what would you suggest they do, Kirk? Because they tried to go man, got burned. Tried to stack the box, got thrown on. Tried to do a lighter box to stop the pass, got ran on. Georgia just had significantly better players than Ole Miss, and were as locked in as engaged as they've been all season, that, that, and as healthy as it. they've been all season. That's it. So you guys remember? I'm giving myself credit here. Um, after the Kentucky game, after Georgia beat Kentucky, I said, guys, there's one thing that, that Ole Miss really should worry about more than anything else with this Georgia game. Because Georgia's played with its food a lot this year, right? They haven't been super impressive, and they've been banged up. But motivated Georgia, Georgia hearing from national people throughout the week, them talking about their game, oh, is this the week? You know, they could be in trouble. Not that anybody really picked Ole Miss to win that game on game day or anything like that. But all week long, those columns about, you know, how can Ole Miss beat Georgia and, you know, what's the recipe and this good Ole Miss offense. Mm. Georgia struggled with Ole Miss's tempo on the first two drives. They adjusted and they were done. And Ole Miss was down Micah Pettis. And we're down Jaden Williams after, what, three plays? Went down on the first drive. So Ole Miss was limited on the offensive line and just, I mean, so Georgia at night, for the first time really this year, they had a couple of night games, but not a night game like that. Motivated and healthier than they've been all season long with a complete and 100% inability to put any pressure whatsoever on Carson Beck that's a recipe for 52 to 17. Mm-hmm. And that's what you got. Um, Carson Beck, in his postgame interview with, with Holly Rowe, uh, she asked him about the offensive line. He's like, man, those guys, like, I'm not even dirty. The only dirt on me is a couple of times I slid so I wouldn't get hit at the end of a run. Yeah. Not only was he not sacked, not only was he not hit, he was not pressured the entire game. Not not once. No. Ole Miss had one pass breakup. That was DeAndre Prince. They had the interception right before the half. Zero sacks, zero tackles for loss, no forced fumbles. The interception came from Dejon Anthony. That that pass breakup by Prince was a good one. Mm-hmm. Save um, the touchdown the right before Wade, the half. The, the Dayton Wade catch on the throw from Spencer Sanders was like a combination of Gumby and Superman with Got maybe a, a little 
with maybe a little Inspector Gadget mixed in, Go-Go Gadget arms? It, it was something. There's your difference, though. So, and, and, and the graphic that they put up where they, they showed the, the four and five stars, and, and the point that they made in the broadcast where they said, look, Ole Miss has got 18 four- and five-star players on the roster, and that's a really respectable number. And Georgia had 42. 45, 42. There are four rosters in the country that look like that. Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State. Who's the fourth? Hell, Michigan doesn't even have that right now. Maybe A&M? <laughs> yeah. Before Maybe. the mass yeah. exodus. But but there, there's your difference. That, that is uh, the difference between the gold standard of the sport that hasn't lost at home in five years. It's won the last two national championships. That's recruiting at a level nobody's ever seen before on an annual basis uh, in a program that is most certainly – uh, having success in building and, and very respectable and good, and they'll be in the top 15 still after this week. That, that's your difference, though. There, There is your difference between the two. You saw it on the lines of scrimmage most especially. At, you know, at, I think that some of the reaction to that outcome was a bit ridiculous in terms of expecting to go into that situation and beat that Georgia team, I find they could have played better, certainly, especially defensively. There there were tackles to be made that they missed. Jackson Dart had a bad interception before the half, stuff like that. And so they, they could have played better. But the, the, the people that were, like, angry about that outcome, I, I just I, I can't wrap my mind around that at all, frankly. Um, you're not there yet. And that's and, and okay. The only thing, the only thing that changed for Ole Miss with that loss, assuming, and this is you, you got to play the games, assuming they beat ULM this week and they win against Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl and finish ten and two. The only potential thing that changed is Missouri is going to be ranked higher than they are in the college football playoff poll, possibly knocking them out of an access bowl, possibly. Yeah, the resume right now, if you really break it down, Ole Miss is, is better. Than Missouri's. How's the committee going to do that? We'll have to wait right. and see. Missouri's been better at the end of the year, or they don't have that late loss. So, so we'll see how it, it plays out. Um, right now, two more wins for Ole Miss, and the floor in terms of bowl games is the Citrus Bowl in Orlando. That's the floor. And you'd play Iowa, probably. I think you would like your chances. You would love your chances. And that would be, should you win that game, the first 11 win season ever. That's kind of. I spent the weekend on Twitter. I'm going to spend less time on that website because I just I couldn't wrap my mind around some of the reactions to from people criticizing Lane Kiffin for not being able to win that game, which is just astronomically stupid. I mean, they are still favored to win ten games in regular season for the second time ever in the history of the program. Each of them coming the last three years, losing to Georgia, even the manner in which they lost to Georgia, does not change the fact that you are possibly going to have a historic season. I don't know. I just I found the the discourse around that game in particular to be bizarre, both from Ole Miss fans and then national college football people. Really didn't make sense to me. Somebody said, imagine getting Ole Miss versus USC in a bowl game. That'd be fun. Caleb Williams Uh, wouldn't play, though. Caleb Williams would not play, and I think you would really like Ole Ole Miss's chances in that game. Uh, somebody said to uh, define an access bowl. It's the six bowl games, the Peach, 
the Sugar Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, the Rose Bowl, uh, the Orange Bowl, and the Cotton Bowl. Two of those each year have a playoff game. The other four are the uh, the more sports talk Mississippi now. Now. Video on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. I, I'm not sure there's a ton more to dissect from the Ole Miss Georgia game on Saturday night. If you've got thoughts, we certainly can get to them on the ceasefire text line at 601 879 4395. Here's the truth of the matter with Ole Miss we all made predictions going into the year. Hey, Dad had Ole Miss at 7 and 5. Uh, is that right? Six and six or seven and five? Seven and five. Um, I think I had Ole Miss. I think my official number was eight and four with a reasonable chance at nine and three. Uh, I think Borky was in that neighborhood also, right four. there around yep. eight and four. Uh, I, I think probably Mike in Oxford had Ole Miss ten and two or eleven and one. I don't, maybe he had him twelve and zero. I don't know. Um, there were a few extremely optimistic Ole Miss fans that had them with 10 wins this season. But when most people looked at Ole Miss's schedule this year, they said, well, you go to Alabama and you go to Athens, so start your prediction with two losses and then go from there. Assuming no upset over the final two weekends of the regular season, Ole Miss is going to finish 10-2. and two. It will be their second 10-win regular season in school history and their second 10-win regular season in the last three years. Ole Miss will be in line for either their fourth Access Bowl in 10 years or their first-ever trip to the Citrus Bowl. And I don't think you can find an Ole Miss fan outside maybe the just most ardent, it's got to be perfect, that before this season began, would not who, that would have not signed off on 10-2 and two with two losses on the road to Alabama and Georgia. I think everybody else would have been like, okay, I'll take it. Would have been more than I'll take it when we talked about this. I mean, how many responses? Yeah, 8-4, and four, it's fine. A lot of turnover, new coordinator, we'll take 8-4. and four. Was so, if if there is no upset, that's a big if, right? You got to play the two games. I mean, Ole Miss can beat UL. UL. I, I said to, I mean, I don't even think I was being hyperbolic when I said this. Jane and I were talking about the ULM game this weekend. I said Ole Miss could win that game if I played quarterback on Saturday. Now you would have to adjust the game plan from what they're going to do just a little bit, but I could stand in the shotgun and go. And turn it and hand it off 45 times and maybe throw four or five passes and, and lead Ole Miss to a win over ULM. You got, you, you got to play in the egg bowl. Mm-hmm. That, that is, that is a game that Ole Miss, I think, hey, dad will agree with this. It's a game that Ole Miss should win. Like there are no ifs, mm-hmm. hands, and buts this year. That is a game that Ole Miss 100% should win. No question. 
they'll be close to three touchdown favorites probably. Yeah. Yeah. Seventeen to twenty. Um, and, and if Ole Miss starts fast in that game, it has a chance to get away. If it's kind of a slow, clunky start and Mississippi State hangs around, then you, you start playing with some momentum and some pride and, you know, weird things happen. But as it stands right here today, based on the seasons that they've had, Ole Miss should win that football game. In which case they would finish 10 and 2 with likely continuity on the coaching staff, momentum and recruiting. And as long as there, you, you don't end up with some off-the-field distraction about where Lane Kiffin's name is popping up for jobs all over the place, like a ton of fan base momentum. I think that's the only thing at this point that could turn Ole Miss fans off mm-hmm. on the season 2023. And, yes, I know that there are people that are throwing Lane Kiffin's name on hot boards for Texas A&M. I, I don't get the impression that Texas A&M has much interest in doing that. I know some of that is like Billy Lucci beating that drum. I think Billy Lucci doesn't like Lane Kiffin. I have I have heard, though, that Kiffin will be in Starkville next Thursday. So just, just keep an eye on that. It is an open job. Just He has not denied interest. In Mississippi State. I mean, it, it would it would certainly signify a significant change in Mississippi State's spending habits if <laughs> if Lane Kiffin becomes the next I head said coach go at big. Mississippi State. I said go big. But yeah, and to your point initially, because I had people say to me last night, this uh, this is just like the Auburn thing all over again, and I said no. When Auburn hired, excuse me, fired Brian Harson, all. Eyes were directly pointed to Oxford, including Auburn's. But every that that was a thing right away. That is not, uh, you know, he showed up on a couple of hot boards. But that is not the feeling, at least as of today, at all around A and M. I'm not sure what to do with this message on the ceasefire text line. Kiffin has peaked. He will never do any better in Oxford. I'm not sure I follow your thought process there. If Ole Miss finishes this season 11 and two, and Jackson Dart comes back and Quinshawn Judkins come back comes back, and they have a reasonably good recruiting slash portal, Ole Miss is going to be picked to be a playoff team next year in the first year of the 12 team playoff. Your number one for sports talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports talk, Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super talk, Mississippi. couple of hours friday oh that was no this is monday this is monday what yeah sorry monday afternoon sports talk mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk tv and of course on your supertalk mississippi radio stations this is sports talk mississippi coming to you from the pearl river resort studio we will be there on thursday Inside the sports book, the Golden Moon Casino. And uh, we'll probably 
Well, it's hard to say we'd be turning our conversation at some level toward the Egg Bowl, but a game in Starkville this Saturday has a, uh, a renewed amount of interest uh, given a little bit of a resurgence from Southern Miss down the stretch and uh, all that is happening uh, in and around Mississippi State football. Uh, you can join us, 601-879-4395. That's the number for the C Spire text line. Don't forget about Connect and Protect. Connect and Protect, that's the uh, plan that you want to help protect your children and the p- plan that your kids want because they're getting the device that they desire. Learn more at cspire.com. Cspire, customer inspired. Uh, we have a winner from the Polk's pick six this past week. The six games were Ole Miss, Georgia, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, Michigan, Penn State, Tennessee, Missouri, Auburn, Arkansas, and Rutgers, Iowa. We had uh, 55 correct responses. 55 of you went 6-0. and oh. We need some upsets in college football to shake these picks up just a little bit. So 55 of you went uh, went 6 and 0. Oh, so we went to the tiebreaker and this week's winner is James. James Gill, who is from here in Mississippi. I think I can tell you where he's from. Give me just a second. Or at least where Uh, what we got? Mm. What we got? Uh Greenwood. Greenwood Springs? Are Greenwood and Greenwood Springs the same thing? No. No, because Greenwood is LaFleur County and Greenwood Springs is in Monroe County. It's a very Mississippi thing thing. right there. Yeah. Jackson and uh, Jackson County, two totally different places. Very, very different places. So uh, congratulations uh, on... Winning, we will get uh, your contact information and we'll get your prize package from Polks. What's about it, folks? Picky people pick Polks. We'll get that coming your way uh, this week. Thanks for being with us, Sports Talk Mississippi, this afternoon. Um, Let's see here. There is a bookmaker. So Travis Brown, I said we wouldn't have him on three weeks in a row. I don't know. Maybe we ask Travis to join us again this week from the uh, uh, (laughs) the Bryan College Station Eagle. Uh, he said that uh, some book me, uh, a bookmaker's thoughts on who will be the next head coach at Texas A&M, and they actually have Lane Kiffin as the uh, odds-on favorite at five to one. Lane hey, Kiffin look, could gen- have generating generating bets. Exactly, Lane Kiffin could have gone to Ross Bjork's house yesterday, knocked on the door. I assume Ross has a dog. Everybody's got a dog, right? The dog could have come out. When Ross opened the door and Lane punched the dog in the face in front of Ross Bjork and then ripped Aww. his shirt over his head and then uppercutted him, and they would still put him first on this list for betting purposes. He could Maybe literally so. assault the Texas A&M athletic director in his home, and they would still have put him first on this list. Uh, Kiffin at five to one, Dan Lanning at six to one, Mike Elko seven to one. Same thing for Mike Norvell, Jeff Trailer, Kalen DeBoer, both at ten to one. Jimmy Franklin at Penn State, twelve to one. Uh, Chris Kleiman at fourteen to one. Dan Ooh. Campbell, that would be the head coach of the Detroit Lions at fourteen to one. He's an A and M guy. He's a, he's an Aggie, yeah. Who's um, an NFL head coach currently of a seven and two team? Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury. Oh, they, 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 they hired Mike Sherman once. One. Nice. Okay. Sure. Glenn, Glenn Schumann at sixteen to one, defensive coordinator at Georgia. Uh, Richard, your disdain for James Franklin as a person uh, has, uh, like, I've I've got the same disdain, but as a football coach. That maybe the was, worst big game coach in America. Oh my gosh! I, I mean, in the random decisions, your, your defense is is actually playing pretty well. And what is it? Four minutes to go, deep in your own territory, only down a touchdown, and you go for it on fourth and long with a quarterback that literally cannot throw a complete pass if the guy was a yard in front of him. And you lose the game right there. Just a bizarre, bizarre day of coaching from James Franklin. Stepped all over his own two feet for four quarters and fired his OC because it's his fault. Is that how the saying goes? No. Okay. No. <laughs> it's not. Jim Harbaugh says that uh, Michigan is now America's team. Also, this is wild. I'm going to talk on Friday. I'm just looking forward to that opportunity. Due process. Not looking for special treatment. Not looking for a popularity contest. Just looking for the merit of what the case is. That's not the good part. Here's the good part. Harbaugh said he wasn't sure whether he would have the opportunity to state his case in front of the judge, but he does intend to be there in person. Quote, I've always felt like it'd be cool to get up there and thunder away at a jury like Tom Cruise and a few good men, or be a judge. Alas, I did not go to law school. This will be the first time I've ever really been in this situation. Close quote. Hmm. The the America's team thing is incredible. Mm-hmm. That is pretty I, I good trolling on his so part. I won't lie. I won't lie. I love the hubris. I love the the, the, the cockiness. I love it. Hey, hey, you want to hear it? Here you go. Watching it from where I was watching, I was like, "How can you not see this?" You know, like, you know, these players. I mean, Blake Corum with the with the with the nose bloodied, and um, you know, the emotion of the team, the the um, the you know, the perseverance, you know, and then the just the stalwartness of these guys. I mean, stalwartness. Yeah, Watson, I would have to say, I mean, everybody. It's got to be America's team. It's got to be America's team. America America loves a team that, that uh, you know, beats the odds, beats the adversity, you know, overcomes with the naysayers and, you know, critics, so-called experts think. Um, that's my favorite kind of team. And, yeah, watching it from... From that view on the television, like, it was finally people get to see what I see every day, you know, in these players and these coaches. America's team. It, it was America. an impressive win. It, it, it was. Uh, having to deal with that the, the entire week, really, and then going there and playing, that was impressive. Physically just owned Penn State. Um, Jim Harbaugh didn't die, though. The theatrics around the win. I mean, the interim head coach cried. I love you guys. Dropping an F words on, on live television. I love you, coach. I love you so much. Oh, my gosh. He's not yeah, dead. Can we man. say He's that at the now? hotel. He, well, he professed his can faith and then, and, and then did do that. Lots of- Are we allowed? Are we allowed to drop those now? Is that is that legal? Uh, apparently so. And then the president of the university, Santa Ono, releases this statement. 
Countless members of the University of Michigan family have reached out to me over the weekend, and I wanted to express my appreciation. Like any community, we face our share of challenges and adversity. There have been many such moments in our history, but as our team showed so clearly yesterday, we will respond to any challenge head-on with a conviction to do better and emerge even stronger. Go Blue. He didn't die. He got suspended because they got caught in a rampant cheating scheme. I, I kind of applaud. It was hey, Dan, was that you? Said you applaud the hubris. The hubris. I mean, yes. The, the way they're spinning this, I, I'm impressed. This is, this is good stuff for Michigan. By they're the, way, the victims been, somehow. This has been your college football fix, driven by Ford. And your local Mississippi Ford dealers, log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out, there it is, why the best-selling trucks are built Ford tough. You can test drive one of those trucks, whether it's the F-150 or Super Duty, at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. College football fix comes your way every single day that we are on the radio. They need to lose to Ohio State so bad. Hayden and I talked about it on Friday some. The, the cries from people in the media about due process for Jim Harbaugh, is, I think it's so absurd when the, the entire existence of college sports under the NCAA has been absent due process. The whole thing. The entire sport is imbalanced and unfair and ridiculous. And when Harbaugh gets suspended... Oh, we gotta we gotta preserve his rights. This isn't fair. When has college sports ever been fair? Cry me a river, stop cheating, go buckeyes. Is Michigan a bigger cult than AM? That's a question on the ceasefire text line. Mm. And and should there be a third option? Tennessee. Sports Talk, Mississippi. We'll be right back. Mississippi. Hey, it's go time. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, hey, mom, said the way you move will make you sweat, will make you Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi. Brad and Jackson on the ceasefire text line. Question, guys, why is the narrative that Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin or Mississippi State slash whoever the coach is can't recruit big players and win national championships? We've got to quit pushing this mindset. If you have the money and resources, then it shouldn't be hard. Lane Kiffin evidently loved the way Oxford looked, etc. Once we get you to see the campus, it's hard to say no. Uh, State can do the same if fans will pony up. Brad, it's it's really hard because you're not operating in a vacuum. And the fact of the matter is that you've got to be you got to have a roster that's dominant at basically every position on the field. 
And while Ole Miss or Mississippi State can get elite players at multiple positions, it's really hard to do that at every position on the field and have the depth that you need. As evidenced on Saturday night by, you know, a couple of pretty key injuries on the offensive line really affected Ole Miss's ability to run the offense that they wanted to run against a dominant Georgia defense. And look, the, the playoff situation changes next year. And you're going to have 12 teams that get into the playoff. And Brad, if you can get into the playoff, then you got a chance. You've got to be playing your best football. You've got to be healthy. You've got to catch some breaks. And you probably got to have a little luck mixed in. And you hope that that's enough. Georgia had a little luck last year. No doubt. In their semifinal win over Ohio State, there was some luck there for Georgia. And then when Georgia played TCU in the championship game, you saw the physical difference. It wasn't close. TCU was not 100% healthy. Their best running back was out. Had a couple of other guys banged up. But if you didn't look at those two teams on the field and see the difference, and so to your point about if you if you spend the money and or you know if you have the money and the resources, then it shouldn't be hard. The money and the resources, simply put, don't exist at the same level at Ole Miss and Mississippi State that they do with some other programs. And it's not a shot, and it's not a defeatist attitude, and it's not a loser's attitude, it's reality. And, and, and it's reality based simply on numbers, like numbers of living alumni. Texas A&M has 50,000 students and like half a million living alumni. Georgia's enrollment is, what, 35,000? And Athens sits 70 minutes, 90 minutes, depending on traffic, from a city that has three Fortune 100 companies. And and that doesn't mean that Delta and Coke and Home Depot are giving money directly to Georgia. Here's what that means. You have corporate executives, lots of them, that are employed by those companies and lots of others that are very close and connected. There's just a deeper base of money available And when you have more people with more money, then odds are you're going to have more money that goes to your collective and more money that goes into your program overall. Nobody's doing the little old Ole Miss, little old Mississippi State thing around here. Both programs have have proven independently that they can compete at the highest level of football, but you can't just do it on one Saturday. You have to do that five Saturdays in the regular season, and then you're going to have to do it three times in the postseason. 
I mean, you got four non-conference games that you should probably win and three SEC games that you feel like most years you're going to be able to win. But if you're going to beat, based on the current divisions, LSU, Auburn, Texas A&M, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, on a regular base, basis, you got to have your big boy pants on five or six Saturdays out of the year in the regular season and then three times in the playoff. And it's hard to do that over and over and over and over and always be healthy and always play your best and always limit mistakes and, oh, by the way, account for the other team as well who has all of those same things and probably more of them than you do. It's not a little old Mississippi thing. That's out the window. That is that is a bygone era. Yeah. But there are five teams in the country that are different than everybody else. Not different than Ole Miss and Mississippi State, different than everybody else. Mm-hmm. And that's why measuring this Ole Miss team in particular, and Lane Kiffin, to the gold standard of college football, winner of two most recent national champions, all that, and then his other losses to Nick Saban, the greatest college football coach to ever live. That is the standard in which they are being measured. And, you know, and here's the thing, because we've got a lot of texts about he's breached his ceiling, and I've seen people, national guys, say that elsewhere. Ole Miss football, with or without Lane Kiffin, has changed itself in the last four years. Financial commitment is very, very different. Hell, the facilities are even different. I mean, that, that's there's been a $40 million facility project, but financial commitment and fan buy-in and fan commitment has changed dramatically in just four years. They're, they're building, positively building. It's just not going to happen as, as fast or, or, or have the same peak that Georgia does or whatever, but the, the job itself has changed in four years. It is better now than it was in 2019, 100%. It's not debatable. It is more attractive. It's more lucrative. It is more capable of being competitive today than it was then. I mean, even Dabo at Clemson, and Clemson was in better shape when he took over than what Ole Miss was in at the end of 2019 when Kiffin took over. It took him four years to go to the Orange Bowl. They lost two conference games that year. We're talking about Dabo. He's won two national championships. Was it 12 consecutive years of 11 wins or better or something like that? Just crazy record. It took him years to start doing that at Clemson in an easier conference with more inherent resources. So I I think when you say that there's a ceiling, there is one that is lower than Alabama and Georgia and LSU, of course. But what the people at the institution are doing is raising that ceiling. It has changed in 2023 versus 2019. The ceiling of the program has absolutely, undoubtedly, undeniably changed. Yep. Yep. agree with all that. Um, and divisions are going away as well. Uh, Jeremy and Columbia says, well put, never um, looked at the money side and collective side of the dominant college football teams like that. Learned something today. I mean, Ohio State. I, I know they're not in the SEC, but... That, that is an, uh, a high-populated state, right? I mean, it's a huge political battle, battleground state for a reason. A lot of votes there. You have Cleveland. You have Columbus, which is a big city in Cincinnati. You have three big, big cities. 
it sits on a lake, and there's a lot of economics that go with Lake Erie as well. It is a very wealthy state, and it's a really talent-rich state. And Ohio State owns the entire state. They inherently well, have Toledo advantages. would like a word. Toledo is closer to Michigan than it is Ohio State. Um, but th- that that's what Illinois is having to compete with, for, for example. But you don't have that in Mississippi. You don't have three big cities here. You don't have one. Memphis is the biggest city in Mississippi, and it's a few miles north of the border. Yeah. Alabama is what, hour and a half from Starkville? Or 80 miles, 90 miles? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the our, our friends on the Mississippi Gulf Coast are far closer to, to Baton Rouge and LSU than they are Oxford. It's different here. You have to be more efficient. You have to overcome more things than a place like a Georgia or an Ohio State or an LSU. It's different. I get a message that says, it will fall off tomorrow if Kiffin leaves. Sorry, but that's the truth. You might be right. I mean, Lane Kiffin is the... Hugh Freeze went to two access bowls. Um, Lane Kiffin's the... Am I going to say this? Is this true? Is he the second most successful coach at Ole Miss since John Vaughn? Probably the most at this point since Vaught. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I meant the second most successful overall. The mo- Yeah, that's, I may not have said that the right way. I, you might be right. I mean, if Ole Miss finds itself having to find a new football coach, then that will be a critical hire, but they don't have to do that right now. We'll be back. It's happening in Mississippi sports. You'll hear about it first right here. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Uh, we got a question about Lane Kiff in a second, and, and I want to get back to the Mississippi State stuff in just a second. Um, this was about the, so do you think Ole Miss will fall off if Lane Kiffin leaves? And uh, I mean, Obviously, if if he were to go somewhere else, Keith Carter's job would be to try to find a football coach that could sustain the success that Ole Miss is having right now under Lane Kiffin. But it's Ole Miss with the contract that it put in front of Lane Kiffin ultimately last year made it really difficult for Lane Kiffin to leave. His base salary is roughly $8 million. He has a retention bonus where if he is the head coach of Ole Miss on December 31st of 2023 and 2024, he will receive a bonus that takes his salary to $9 million in each of those two seasons. He gets a $150,000 bonus for each SEC victory over five. And so Mississippi State, if that's a win, would have him at $300,000 in bonus money there, and he also got a $100,000 bonus for beating Georgia Tech. And then there will be a bowl. He, he's going to make 
between nine and ten million dollars at Ole Miss this year. And so that means ultimately there are what? Eight, nine jobs in the country where the head coach will be compensated more than Lane Kiffin will be compensated as the head coach at Ole Miss this season. Before the uh, the bonuses, only LSU, A&M, USC, Michigan State, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, Alabama pay more. Now, Tennessee, Heupel, and Kiffin have basically an identical salary, as does Mark Stoops, but you can expect Michigan State to fall off of that list uh, here very shortly. Yeah. Yeah, because they got to rip that contract right up. All right, hey, Ned, let's make some assumptions. You, you okay if we do this? You know what they say about assumptions, but let's go ahead. I do, and and we we will go into <clears throat> these assumptions knowing full well what they say about making assumptions. But let's say that Mississippi State gets this higher right, and, and you can determine what right is, what, whatever is right in your mind. And fan base really gets behind it and steps it up and makes sure that Mississippi State is is competitive, whatever that number is, in the NIL arena. And, and like, there's some genuine momentum with the program. It's not going to be an immediate turnaround. It's not, like, a a quick fix necessarily. But we see evidence around the country that you you can turn things around in a hurry to get everybody pulling in the right direction. So making the assumption that Mississippi State makes the right hire and that right hire puts together a good staff, what is a reasonable turnaround time in your mind for Mississippi State? That's a good question because, you know, obviously... That is a good question. That's a really good question. Yeah, a decade ago, you would have said, you know, you need like three years, right? You need to be able to get those recruiting classes in and turn them into juniors and you build from there. And now with the portal, you know, I, I was, I had state eight and four. I was, I whiffed on that one this year. But I would have told you, even if state had somehow miracled its way to 10 and two this year, that next year was going to be a tough year for Mississippi State because they just lose, they, they lose a lot of guys. They were going to have to hit the portal the way Ole Miss has hit the portal the past couple of years, you know, 20 plus transfers probably. In today's portal, I mean, I think, you know, in year one, you should just be playing better. You know, you, you think about Mullen's first year, right? They went five and seven. The first year, the year before, they were four and eight. But the quality of football was just so much better in Starkville from 08 to 09 that you were, yet people knew, okay, he's on the right path. He knows what he's doing. They're going to be fine. So that's what year one can be. And then in year two, yeah, you need to be probably around at least seven wins, eight, and then you sort of build from there. And there's a little bit of the Chris Jans philosophy that probably should trickle over to football. It's it's less yeah. about building a program and more about building a team on a year-in, year-out basis. Yeah. yeah, If you win every year, you have a program. Yeah. That's right. Let me run this by you. Playoff contention by year four. Yeah. Especially in a 12-team playoff, you should be able to be close to nine wins in, in a season. Obviously, it depends on your SEC schedule. If you you, yeah. you you get unlucky one year and you get Alabama, Georgia, Texas, and Oklahoma all on the on the schedule, then maybe you're not you're not going to get there. But 
there's going to be some years where you have a light SEC schedule where you only have maybe one of those teams. And, and in terms of what Mississippi State is likely to have to replace for next season, in addition to a coaching staff, you are likely looking at a new starting quarterback, a new starting running back, a couple of new offensive linemen, better have some new tight ends, two, two new starting linebackers, you've got mm-hmm. to add receivers, you got to get better in the secondary, and a couple of yeah. defensive linemen. It's... Yeah. I mean, it's... It's a major overhaul. Yeah. It's going to be tough. But that, that kind of underscores exactly what you're talking about, though, right? Because all... As we sit here today in November, we will spend the entire offseason talking about it. Competency is what people are going to be looking for. Are you building? Is there improvement? Are you competent? At no point this season were any of the the, the questions answered yes. Yeah. That, that's all that State fans would have been able to handle almost an identical record that they have right now. Had they been able to score a little bit on LSU like everybody else has? Had they taken care of Arizona more than coming up this short after they turned the football over five times? Not letting a not-good Kentucky team just run you over and lose by 41 in College Station. If the record was identical and those games were close and different-looking, would we be having this conversation today? Why not? I mean... If State had lost by 10 to LSU, and, you know, the Alabama game, and they lost by 17, I don't, I don't have a huge issue with, with that margin of victory. Yeah, they probably should have beaten South Carolina because that's not a good team, and your quarterback threw for almost 500 yards. That usually should be a recipe for victory. Um, and, and, you know, Auburn, Kentucky, those aren't good teams. And you not only did you lose, but you really weren't in the game. The thing to consider with Arnett is, State was so bad defensively, especially early in the season. If State was losing these games like thirteen to ten, and he was like, "Well, defensively they're still really good, but man, this offense they got a, they got a lot of kinks to work out." Probably not as big a deal. And if you were, I think the other thing that made State fans upset, and and was the thing I've been talking about that watching that guy on the sidelines, that's not the same guy we've seen the past three years. The guy that's been fired up and screaming and yelling in people's face, he 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 didn't show up this year. You had this guy who was just sitting there with his arms folded, just sort of watching the game, you know, like like a fan from the stands. I, I just didn't ever feel like Arnett like had any give a damn these past few weeks. So that's that's not going to go very far. When we talk about Mississippi State fans, you know, you said passionate fan base. They want to see that passion from their coach as well. What do you think's next for Zach Arnett? If you made me bet. Uh, there are two big defensive coordinator jobs that are going to be open. One's already open. It's USC. I think LSU will come open. I think he'll get interviews for both of those jobs, and, and he might be able to take one of them. But he'll be he'll be in college football next year. He's too good a defensive co- coach not to be. Yeah, and and Mississippi State certainly hopes he will be because yeah. any salary that he yeah. gets at a new job called, will offset what Mississippi it's called State offset is. Ross Bjork. He should put those into contracts. A mitigation clause. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the good old. I hadn't days. really talked about Jimbo. I mean, obviously the decision had already been made, and there was no going back on it. But tough gig to win by forty and then get fired the next morning. Is that 
like the lowest point for a football program. You think about state, like this this team beats you by forty one, and that was so insignificant to them that they fired their coach the next day. That that is low right there. Where do you think he is right now? Jimbo. You you think he's yeah. already be fishing like in the Caribbean somewhere, or, or is he like packing some stuff up before he hits the plane to go on a long vacation? He strikes me as a guy that might spend the next couple of weeks just on his farms. He's got a he said he's got a couple. Loves to ride horses. Yeah. He can buy he a few more a little bit. But he he, he might he might just take it. He might dip out for a little while. He's due nineteen million dollars within sixty days, and then will be paid seven million, seven point two million a year through mm-hmm. what is it, twenty thirty one? I think. Better deal than Bob Bonilla. Well, it doesn't last as long, but the numbers are larger. Yeah. yeah. Bobby Bo didn't get the big upfront payment, and his uh, his annual payment was not nearly as much. So maybe it is a better deal. Maybe a lot better deal when it's all said and done. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll wrap it up with you next. Sports Talk. Sports Talk Mississippi. To the junction, in the groove, and to the top. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Looking for a new vehicle, then Belford and Oxford Toyota are the place for you. They're located on Highway 6 West in Oxford. Belford has been in business since the early 1960s. They've been in the automobile business for over 100 years. Had a great selection of Ford trucks and SUVs on the lot and an incredible selection of used vehicles as well. A service department that is not only second to none, but it is improved and expanded And for routine maintenance, they will come and pick up your vehicle, take care of the service that is needed, and then return it to you at your home or your place of work for the ultimate convenience. They will treat you well at Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota. So if you're looking for an F-150 or an Expedition or a Bronco or a Bronco Sport, or maybe it's a used vehicle or one of the great vehicles from Toyota, you can find them at Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota, belkford.net, oxfordtoyota.com. And when you stop by, Tell them that you heard about them on Sports Talk Mississippi. Hey, Dad, you can't predict this, but you can look at it and say it's important. How important is it for football at Mississippi State to have this hire, whenever it's made, be the beginning of a period of stability? Um, oh, it's massive. Yeah, you, you, you think about the turnover at the head coach position. You, you've had that. You've had some turnover at the athletics director position. Obviously, Mark Keenum has been the, the president at Mississippi State for a long time, so there has been stability, stability at the, the highest level of the university. But you you got to stop doing this every couple of years. And I know some of it's beyond their control. I, I understand. Right. Right. Um. And, you know, when you think about athletic director as well, I mean, I don't think Zach Selman is long for Starkville. 
you know, if if Oklahoma comes calling in a few years to for the big job, he would take that. Now, a lot of that depends on who he hires in this situation and how they perform, because that's what athletic directors are judged by more, more than anything else. Um, but for state, yes, I mean, it's hard to believe. You think about Dan Mullen, and it doesn't feel like that was long that that long ago. But this will be, you know, four coaches since him. And, you know, Moorhead two years, Leach three years, Arnett, I mean, we'll just say a year. It's not, though. I mean, yeah, you need somebody who comes in and gives you what Mullen gave you, gives you five, six, seven years. And if they move on to something after that, so be it. But you got, you do have to, to you know, to, to find that, that, that continuity. And, and, I'm a guy who's like, you know, when people talk about stepping stones, if if State was hiring three or four coaches in a 10-year span and all of them were going on to better jobs because they did really well at Mississippi State, that's not a huge issue. But it's been left for Florida, so, you know, that's fine. Fired, passed away, and now fired. That is not a recipe for success. You've got to have somebody come in and, and give you some time at that position now. I assume this message is is serious. Uh, it comes from Chris, and so I'm not being flippant when I say this. But uh, are you serious when you say why not Jimbo to Starkville? I, I hope. I mean, that he's not being serious. I think he is serious. But but the if you are being serious, the genuine answer to your question is. You just saw a guy flame out who had arguably more resources than any coach at any program in America. Jimbo Fisher is not the answer at Mississippi State. And now he's he's sitting on $100 million. I mean, how motivated would he be? I will answer that for you. He would not be. Yeah. Um. <laughs> The responses that come in on the ceasefire text line are in, gre- in agreement. Um, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, no. My guess is that uh, it's fairly quiet on the coaching search front for Mississippi State for the next few days. Uh, we will. Oh, I would imagine probably getting into the weekend. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll we'll certainly continue to talk about names and candidates and what we feel might make sense. And at some point this week, we're going to turn our attention to a, a football game that is happening on Saturday in Starkville. That was a hasty right. departure for Michael Borky. He was tired of talking. He said, enough. I guess. That's why Rhino comes in to finish the show. We finished strong. He's the closer. Um, State needs to try and figure out a way to kind of pull it together before Saturday with Southern Miss you think? rolling in. Yeah, I, I kind of yeah, do. You're, cor- you're correct. Sports Talk Mississippi, thanks for being with us on this eventful Monday. For Michael Borke and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross in the Pearl River Resort Studio. We'll do it again tomorrow, starting just after 3 o'clock. Good night.
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.